All right, today I have with me George O'Connor. George is the writer and creator of Charlie Spot, which is a comic book uh, live right now, as soon as this is published, and actually while we're recording, uh, on Kickstarter. I'm super excited to have George. George is uh, someone that I've got to know over the past couple of months, maybe even a year. Has it been? It's probably been like a year now um, as a creator and someone I really admire, not only for his enthusiasm for the craft, but also you know, his, his writing ability. I, I love what he does and I'm just super excited to talk to uh, George. So George, thank you so much for, uh, you know, being on here with me today. Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And yeah, I think we have been circling each other, you know, through various forums for about a year. Like I know I backed Man of Sin before I really like knew, knew you. Um, uh, but then through our, our comics launch mastermind, that's where we really got to hang out and get to know each other, you know, beyond, um, like random Facebook posts and stuff like that. So yeah, it's yeah. been very cool. I, uh, I don't know if I ever actually like in person, thank you for backing Madison, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a very <laughs> cool book. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. And, and like, speaking of cool books, man, uh, Charlie Spot is probably one of the most unique books in the comics medium I've read in a very long time. And when I say unique, I mean it in all of the best possible ways. It has heart. It has subject matter that I think is um, worthwhile. Like, mm. it's not frivolous. Um, the writing is um, is spot on. And, like, it's, it's, it's very lean, but in the best possible way. It's like a Ed Brubaker type of lean. Like, it Ooh. tells you... Like, you, you, I was really, really impressed, George, um, with your efficiency from panel to panel to page to page, um, with Charlie Spot, man. And it was, it was really just an, uh, a joy to read. And it was, um, it was something that I think is lacking in the current comic market. Mm. Um, and so, like, I, I guess. Can you just kind of let everyone know what Charlie Spot is, and then we can kind of get into the, the nuts and bolts of it? Because I think it's really interesting how you kind of put this thing together. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Charlie Spot premise is, after suffering a heart attack, a homeless veteran returns to his busking spot, you know, in the, in the big city park. And he finds that it's become the epicenter of a turf war between rival buskers and street performers. And he goes on this increasingly bizarre and frustrating adventure around his city in his efforts to reclaim his spot. Um, and uh, I thank you for everything that you said. What, something I wanted to do with this book was to write something that could make you laugh on one page and then hit you, you know, like in, in the feels on the next. Um, and that that's what we were going for uh so i i'm glad that you dug it um and i really appreciate that compliment about the leanness i think um one of the things i've been trying to be more conscious of as a writer is that this is a visual medium um and you know i might be the writer i might be the first part of the assembly line but it's visual um, it really hit me, um, you know, remember when we had conventions, um, and, <laughs> yes. you know, you know, <laughs> those, people, those weird yeah. things, <laughs> <laughs> you know, people would walk by my table, um, and maybe the cover would hit them. So that's visual. They'd go, you know, what's this about? I'd give them the, you know, the two sentence pitch 
and then they're flipping through the book and they're flipping through the book pretty quick and it just it really like it took forever but it finally dawned on me when they're flipping through the book they're not reading it they have no idea mm. what the words are what the word balloons are and they're going by they're they're looking at the pictures they're looking at the panels they're looking at the art um and that really brought it home that like you know I, I love the medium. I love being a writer. It's a visual medium. So if you're going to say something, um, say it as efficiently as possible. So the, you know, the visuals rule, you know, and if every now and then there needs to be a monologue or something like that, make that be the exception and not the rule. Um, and I think if you look at the first graphic novel, I did do um, that was transitioning right out of doing short films and web series. And it's all fricking monologues, you know? Um, so I, I really appreciate that compliment because that's something I've been working on for a while now. Um, and, you know, I, I had hoped that through, you know, just doing it more often um, and working with a great editor and writer and himself, Rich Duick, um, that we could, that I could write, write it in a way that really spotlit the artist. Um, and so to hear that compliment, um, like it felt like I was doing that. So it's really nice to hear that, you know, at least for one person, uh, it looked like, you know, what I was going for worked. So thank yeah, you, man. man. Yeah, no, you're welcome. I, uh, you know, it's something that I've been really conscious of in my own writing because I come from a screenwriting background myself, yep. and um, I am I lean so much further into the Bendis territory, yes, than than the Brubaker territory, yep. And so I've uh, I've consciously been looking for that not only in my own writing but in like you know when I read comics. You know, I'm I'm always dissecting things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to reverse engineer everything, um, and so when I'm reading something and something like that, you know, stand that's that stuff stands out to me because that's what I'm trying to do myself. I, I think it's I think it's important to, like you said, let the let the art shine. Like it is a visual medium, mm-hmm. um, and I I think what you do really well with Charlie Spot is I, I think you really let uh, Meredith, your artist, kind of take center stage um, in a lot of the panels. Like, I've no, like there was like two or three panels I remember um, that were just visually really, I could, I could almost tell as a writer, you wanted to like write something there, but you just <laughs> let it kind of like, all right, I'm just going to let the, the artist like, um, you know, trust your artist. I think one of them is like, uh, um, uh, I forget his name. Charlie's friend, the guy in the Andre. suit. For, Andre. Um, there's a panel. It's somewhere in the middle or close to the end. And I, I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize. <laughs> um, so it's uh, he's telling him he's telling Andre something about like the homeless world, and yes. then and then the next panel is just like Andre giving him like the the stink eye. And I know, like as a writer, you're like wanted to put like a a snarky comment there. Like, because that's like my natural inclination would have been something to do, like do something like that, and I could just feel 
as I was reading this, I could like feel you just like restraining your fingers from the keyboard and like, please just just well, leave it alone. Well, you know what? I think you hit on one of the key things. Uh, if you want to be considered a great writer, find a great artist. Um, and, and Meredith Laxton is a phenomenal artist and she is a tremendous storyteller in her own right. She, she is a writer and creator all on her own. So, you know, she brings that background to it. So, you know, if you, if you feel like this book is well-paced, Meredith deserves as much um, praise uh, as, as I do, because, she, you know, she put the finishing touches on this book, you know, seeing what I was going for and just instinctually knowing, well, actually, let's, you know, split that panel. Actually, we can combine this panel, you know, just those, those perfect, you know, the, that perfect final touches that really just make everything shine. Um, and then again, when you get somebody who, who can draw characters as well as she can, that can bring emotion, that can direct as well and compose as well as Meredith does, you just get the, f you know, uh, can we swear or should I not? Yeah, I mean, cool. Whatever. Then you get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, if, you know, I love, I love working with, experts in their field whether it's you know on the music side or the comic side and i think one of the things i've really grown as a collaborator in whatever medium i work in it's finding one finding great people to work with and two i'm so much better at going like okay this is the direction we're headed in that's the target however you want to get there is fine with me you know, I'll, I'll put the bumpers up. If you get a little too left, a little too right, I'll nudge you back. But outside of that, however you want to get there, get there. Um, and I think that lets the people you're working with and playing with, um, it, it lets them own it more. It lets them be more creative. Hopefully it makes them feel more relaxed um, and empowered to just go for it um and you know and then you you know you get someone like meredith and you just get out of her way you know and and then just make sure you praise her at every at every opportunity you know um yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of meredith i i uh i was you know as a you know someone who you know writes comics and is in the comic kind of industry um but I'm also a fan of comics, so like I follow yep. tons of artists just because I like their stuff. And Meredith was one of the artists that I've been following for a really long time, um, and I, I I just think she's amazing. And then um, when you revealed Charlie Spot that you were working with her, I was like, oh man, that is like one of the the best kind of <laughs> like duos you could have because Meredith stuff. I mean, there's there's not enough words that I um, am equipped with to 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 pray, you know. To, to praise her work man and it's uh you know it, it was probably really awesome uh to work with her and um I know you you know uh I know you said you kind of 
you know, wanted to get out of her way. And that's something that, you know, I do all the time um, with my artists. Like I, I, I say, I, you know, in my scripts to say, this is the way I see it. But if yep. you see it a better way, by all means, like you're the storyteller, I trust you, yep. you know, I'm, I'm not one of those guys where it needs to be this, it needs to be that. Like, I want you to, you know, um, I think like what you said, take ownership and you're the artist, I'm not. And so yep. the best way I could describe, like when a good collaboration works, it's exactly what I thought in my head, but 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times better. And Absolutely. Like, I don't, it's like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I wanted, but way better than anything I could have ever put on the page. And that's when collaborations get really, really cool. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, when you're when you're writing this the script for for Charlie's spot, is it full script? Are you doing Marvel style, a little hybrid? How, how's it? How does that go for you? Um, mostly full script. So, um, you know, the 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 first issue was written before an artist was attached. So. Um, it was yeah, it was completely full script. Um, the second one was probably full script as well, um, but by then um, we started having a shorthand. Um, I started, you know, gaining a ton of confidence in her storytelling ability, um, and so by the th- definitely by the fourth issue, like I know there was an entire sequence in I believe it was the fourth issue where it's like look these are the two pages I know this is what I want it to do what do you think and just you know I I gave her that high level stuff and then let her break it you know break it up and and put it together and put the beats together um you know, because again, she and you know artists in general, they will eat, sleep, they they will forget about, they will forget more about visual storytelling than I will ever know. So you know, if if I can't solve it, it was so empowering and and relaxing to know that I had this powerhouse of a storyteller that if I couldn't crack it, I was like, I bet she can. And yeah, you know, be, yeah. No, no. Go on, George. Didn't no, that was it. So that was, oh. so so. By the end of it, it was a lot looser. Um, I still kind of went more full script, but like I said, there were definite moments where I was like, I don't know the best way to visually tell this. I I'm not a hundred percent sure what the best where to put the camera or to focus on. Um, so you know, in that case, it's like Meredith, you're going to spend more time on this page than I am. What do you want to spend your time on? You know, yeah, what that, will make what will make you happy? Yeah, that's you know, I, I, I find it I find it really interesting. I did something my process with uh Man of Sin was um very similar. The first issue I scripted without an artist attached, um, then I got uh Camilo was attached to it. The second issue um was still full script, but was a little bit, um, a lot more like, hey, whatever you want to do here. And then by mm-hmm. issue three and four, it was like, like, hey, man, do your thing. Like, this is what's up. Go for yep. it. And um, you could just see the um, the level of storytelling kind of start changing with that. And I think I think artists appreciate that. Um, and so, like, since 
since working with Camillo and having that like eye-opening experience, like all right, he kind of likes to work a little bit more marble style. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked my artists out, out of the gate once I once I connect with them. I'm like, um, so like when I for the short story I did in uh, Nightmare Theater when mm-hmm. I was working with Donna, I asked her like, hey, do you want? how do you want me to write this? And she was like, full script, please. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm all in. And then, uh, Isaac, who I'm working with on, uh, forgotten hymns, I asked him the same thing. And he's like, mostly full script, but, um, you know, if you want to, if there's a, you know, a spot or two, it could be a little bit looser. It's like, I just kind of mm-hmm. want to know what you want with it. So he kind of, he wants a little hybrid and actually, um, there's like one page, where all I put is like they're walking down some stairs. Whatever you want to do, do. And he turned it into like this awesome nine panel <laughs> grid. I'm like, that's cool. Like, right? It's so much better than what I I was like, <laughs> they're walking down the stairs, here's what they're saying. And then he turned it into this like really dramatic nine panel grid, which I was like, Man, that's super impressive from my really shitty uh, description. <laughs> it's the best. And it's it's what it's it's kind of the energy and the flow and the back and forth that that kind of makes making comics addicting is you know seeing that email show up you know from from your collaborator from your artist and it's like it's new page day um and it's it's the best it's exciting it's those little bursts of like i said energy and enthusiasm that keep you going because in the best scenario comics take a long time um and you know those and and the artists are are carrying that that time on their back um so that's another reason to you know i that i will defer to the artist you know again you're going to live with it longer than i am you're going to be staring at this panel you know so much longer than i am um so let's make this process as enjoyable and rewarding as possible um and that you know so that coming into that mentality as well i mean you know again i hope helps make what can be a slow and frustrating process a little less frustrating yeah i um you know i i think it's it's really important i think when when writers start working with an artist that they kind of develop some sort of relationship because it's going to mm-hmm. make the entire process just that much better. And I love that you say like, uh, uh, you call it new art day. I call it, I just say it's, it's a combination of my birthday and Christmas morning. Every time 100%. I get a new, every time I get a new page, it's the most exciting thing ever. Cause it's, it's, it, it's literally magic, right? Someone, mm-hmm. someone took something that didn't exist before and only existed in your head and made it real. Like that's it's magic. Yeah. So um, uh, it was a thought I had earlier, um, but you know, you were kind of talking about just Meredith's wonderful artwork, and the thought that popped in my head is like, and and because of that, and you know, we'll get, we'll get to them, but I don't want to not say the names: Ali Pepitone, who's our colorist, and Taylor Esposito, who's our letterer. Um, the the tremendous team that that went into this book um but their their work is so good this is an incredibly easy book to talk about and to sell um because you know i don't have to talk about me 
I can talk about these three people who have made me so goddamn happy over the past two years that have given me so much joy and energy that it's it's real easy to talk about them and to show off their work you know for for two years um all i wanted to do was show people this book um show off meredith show off ally show off taylor um and so now that it's here um like i said it, it's real easy to talk about this and what you were kind of talking about you know the the uh the excitement of opening up a page um one of the things i've been doing to promote the book um on my twitter feed um and on facebook is each day of the campaign i've been taking one panel and just sharing it um usually with a little background. Uh, usually it's just me going, look at how pretty this panel is. Um, but everything you just said struck, reminded me of the panel I posted today. Um, and if you go to my Twitter account, it's at LazyHorde, L-A-Z-Y-H-O-R-D-E. Our two main characters, Charlie and Andre, after not seeing each other for a while, hug. And it really, it, when I was zeroing in on this panel, Andre, who is, you know, our big, boisterous, younger character, gives Charlie this big hug. Like, you know, full arms, full hands hug. And I really didn't notice it until I started zooming in. Meredith, so Charlie is our older kind of standoffish. Charlie is smiling at the hug. His hands are not wrapped around Andre. And when I saw that, it just, you know, after spending two years being blown away by Meredith, to have another moment, you know, after, like, I had thought I had seen it all with this book. That little bit, those, Charlie's hands not wrapping around Andre, even though he's got a big smile on his face. That's the type of collaboration and storytelling and magic that can be in comics, where that bit, of it wasn't in the script. But Meredith understood these characters, that if these two guys were to have a spontaneous hug, this is exactly what their personalities would let that hug be. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe I, there I was saw... a point to that. Maybe I just wanted to talk about that panel. No. Because um, it's been... It's... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. I, I think it really kind of highlights what's really special about this book, you know, and I think it's, uh, you know, a combination of, um, you guys working together um, and what's what's really interesting and I, I, I liked a lot about this book too is that um, Charlie is so laser focused mm. on um, getting you know I don't know how much I want to spoil it but like you know <laughs> getting to where he needs to go and yeah. he he misses the entire kind of world around him mm -hmm. which I thought was really um really smartly done visually like it's one yeah. of those things where you could just like read through it and just like all right he's going from point a to point b but if you look at the panels and and, and take a look like he's missing this large world around him um so what was this what was it like Cause it's it's such a unique kind of like setting like what was it like building this world and playing in this world and you know 
how did it even come about? Because like, sure. I don't know, you know, people, people come up with like tons of crazy stuff, but like the middle of the park and this, like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how to, else to describe it. Right. Like, it is... uh, and, and I, I mean that in the best possible way. Like, I don't want, you know, I'm not um, knocking it at all. I just think it's really unique. And, and I think that's what makes it special. And I, I really Thank enjoyed you. it for that. Thank you. Um, so the origin story of Charlie's spot is, um, I, I worked in downtown Boston for 10 years. I took the exact same train, walked the exact same streets for 10 years. And what I noticed over that time is the same, whatever you, however you want to just call them, buskers, homeless, street performers, you know, th- there'd be this group that were always in the same spot, day in, day out, summer, fall, winter, spring, they were always there. And after a while of clocking it, I just, you know, we're writers. So what do we do? We ask questions. And it's like, well, how do they decide that it's this guy's spot? Like for three years, this guy has been here day in, day out. I've never seen somebody else in that section of, of the, you know, of the sidewalk. So there's got to be some... There got there have to be some rules, right? Um, so, how there's got you know there's there has to be like some meeting somewhere that sets up the rules of this of this system. Um, so that was kind of the first part of it was just kind of that that bigger question, um, and then it just starts out like, well, what type of person ends up in this situation? Um, and around that same time, I was watching a lot of TV shows that were hitting the trope of the crazy PTSD veteran, you know, who's going to take everybody out. Um, and when it was just one time, it was like, it didn't hit me, but like in a short period of time, I came across the crazy PTSD veteran a lot. And... I know that's ridiculous. I'm not saying that there aren't people to that extreme of the bell curve, but I think most people who are suffering from that are doing it quietly, are trying to get better, are not a harm or a threat to anybody. They have things they're going through and they're trying to get through it. Um, and that's kind of where Charlie came from. I wanted to tell a quiet, you know, it's, it's, there's a duality in the story as pretentious that that might've just come out there. There's a duality where there is a big over the top, ridiculous comic booky adventure that is grounded by some of the quietest characters by this by Charlie who you know is is isolated who is quiet who is focused because that's what he thinks he needs to do to survive and protect the people around him yeah i uh man i i'm so glad we got to to Charlie and the characters cuz that was one thing um i really wanted to talk to you about um 
was just how unique all of them feel. Um, I've read lots of books and, and consumed tons of media, or, you know, just in general in every medium, that, you know, not every character is unique or their own character. You might have, like, tropey stuff, like, oh, here's <laughs> the, you know, the, the funny one, and here's the, you know... But your characters actually felt very layered, very real. Um, yeah. What? So, what's your process? What was your process like? Kind of come up, coming up with these characters, and how did you kind of, you know? Sh- I know it's really hard coming up with with characters and making them work. So, what was that whole process like? Kind of getting them into this this world that uh, you were making and, and wanted them to, you know, be in. Thank you. So the. F- as I so you know you you kind of come up with the characters and you come up with the rough idea, and then it's the okay well how do I want to execute this? So one of the early decisions I made is I want to write a story that is so engaging and kind of kicks off as fast as possible that you're going to go on this adventure, and at some point you're going to realize you're not a hundred percent sure what's going yeah you know, why. Like, yes, Char- you know, right off the bat, we know Charlie is very adamant and focused on getting his spot back. He doesn't tell anyone around him. He doesn't tell the audience. So the degree of difficulty I threw myself in is like, well, I got to make this. I have to make him as compelling as possible and this world as interesting as possible that even though I don't tell you off the bat what we're doing, you are interested, invested, and entertained to find out. Eventually, you absolutely know why this spot is so important to him. But I wanted to hide that fact. So, with that, now you've got, well, if we're going to hide this fact, our main character is going to hide the fact. So, you know, as it goes along, some of Charlie's friends get really just kind of annoyed that all they know is like, yeah, we get it. You want your spot back. You know, you, you won't let that go. So knowing, knowing how that was going to play out, like the big, you know, the big reveal, that kind of helped set up the characters. And then it did kind of set up a bit of the, the vibe of this story, which is like, I'm going to let little information come out here and there. By the end of the story, you'll have a good idea of who Charlie and Andre um, and kind of our antagonist and all of this. Her name is Barbara. You're going to know who they are by the end of it. But I'm hope, but hopefully you will find out that information through action and through kind of like earned dialogue. They're, you know, trying hold off on the expositional dump you know um that so again that was that was me just trying well that was me being inspired by other books and other writers um and you know television shows too um just really appreciating when other writers let the perfect amount of information out at the perfect time um and that was just kind of a skill i wanted to get better at and the only way you get better at it is trying yeah i am um, uh, yeah I, I saw that you know um a lot in in charlie's spot like this idea 
of you know us as the readers we're we're discovering this world um in some ways as andre's discovering it as yes. charlie's discovering it it's and in um the interesting thing that I, I i love that you said there's this duality um and when you said it that was i, I had a feeling that I didn't have a word for yet, and I'm glad you you, you used duality, <laughs> so I'm going to use it now because I cool. feel like it. I feel like it uh, it works for this. But um, besides, you know, this very soft and and, and serious um, emotional parts with you know this you know kind of over the top kind of antics um, in, in some spots, if you will. Um, there's also a duality with spaces. Right, like mm. you have you have this big public space that happens to be Charlie's, and then you see him later on in a very private spot that's also his. Mm-hmm. Um, that on, and then we get to know a little bit more about him, and it, and like, and then you, you we kind of moving in and out of different locations, and I thought that was you did that really really well, um, and I, I really liked your. Um, your pacing with it and your intentionality with it. So was that something that um, you were you were conscious of before you were writing, or is that something that you were finding as you were writing that you were um, these kind of like duality in spaces um, that was going on in it? So, uh, a little bit of both. Um, so you know, you're kind of talking about when when Charlie goes from basically outside to inside. Correct. Um, that. You know, that that came from a little bit of research that, you know, most of the people we call homeless aren't living on the street. Um, They, you know, that's where they might be, but that doesn't mean that that's, you know, where their sleeping bag is and all of that. So I wanted to show I wanted to show that, you know, a lot of this book is (sighs) discovering what you don't know. You know, or, or blowing up assumptions. Um, so, yeah, so some of it came out of character. So I knew I wanted to show that, that aspect, you know. And again, trying to attack this, this, this homeless, crazy PTSD vet. Um, and so, you know, thinking about that trope and, and, you know, just doing the opposite. You know, um, yeah, he is working through stuff. He is... There is some damage to him, but he's a good guy. He's a stand-up. He is not a threat. He's, you know, he, there are parts of his life he actually does have it together with. Um, but there's also some stuff he is trying to, that he's working on. Or really what it is, is he feels like he's too damaged to deserve more. Um, so, so, like I said, some of that comes out of character. Um, and some of the pacing is... Is like when I write, um, I've gotten much better at, at outlining, and so it's kind of knowing of you know where I want to go, uh, where I want to spend time. Um, you know, read honestly, reading craft books, and you know, getting advice of like you know, look, the last thing you want to do to your artist is leave them on top of a rooftop for twelve pages. You know, just because you've got some great dialogue you got to tell that's brutal for an artist. So, you know, and, and that came from Bendis. You know, that was Bendis going like, yeah, that was, 
you know, it took a, it took an artist to tell me like, dude, knock that off for him to go, oh shoot, I do do that a lot. So, you know, knowing like, all right, wherever we are, I don't want to spend too much time there because there's a human being that needs to draw this. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that to them. Yeah. I, that, I, I love that you, you, you mentioned the, the moving from place that, you know, you don't want to leave them on a rooftop. That's a, that's a great, great piece of advice. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned you, you've gotten better at outlining. So are you, yep. are you one of those writers that, you know, the Stephen King school where it's discovery, you just hit page one, panel one and see, see what happens. Um, or are you a, you know, a, a, a planner where you got to have, you know, four or five outlines before you even hit it? Are you somewhere in between? Like, what's your process like? I'm, I'm not a four or five outliner guy. Um, I do try and make sure I know my beginning and I know my ending. Um, and I will discover the middle through just brainstorming, through plotting, um, through writing as well. So, um, and when it kind of, when it comes to comics, uh, not only, you know, before I start writing, not only do I want to know my series beginning and ending, I want to know my, my ending for each issue. You know, I want to have that, you know, and come back next month, you know, type of, type of idea. So that helps break up the story, you know, as far as like chapters go. Um, and then within, within each issue, uh, as much as I can, I can't say I'm a hundred percent, but as much as I can, I try and think of that, the importance of that turn page, um, uh, and using that to, you know, more often than not, like, okay, we're going to change the scene. We're going to change scenery, you know, flip the page, let's change it. Um, that's, that's helpful uh, to make sure you're not staying in the same place for too long. Um, and so by the end of it, I won't break it down into panels, but I will break it down into page and like the one big thing, you know, the, the thing I'm trying to accomplish on each page. Um, and that could very well be Andre and Charlie walk through the dark park, you know, um, Andre and Charlie explore Charlie's apartment, right? That's my outline. And then when I go down, I'll start thinking of, you know, what are we trying to accomplish in this scene? Um, uh, chances more often than not, I will at least have some visual for the panel. Um, so usually I will have the visual first and then I'll figure out the dialogue every now and then I will just like, all right, I know the dialogue more than the, the, the break. So I'll just write the dialogue and try and find the natural panel breaks and kind of reverse engineer it from there. Uh, and then sometimes I'll just get very, uh, I don't know, lost. And I'll say, Meredith, please make this look pretty. And she does. <laughs> that's that's the, the the great part about having an awesome collaborator. Where you, 100%. You're just, you're just like, uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. It, it is so freeing to know you don't need to have all the answers. Yes, for sure. That that that's one of the great things about working with Meredith is I knew I didn't have to have all the answers. So, you know, I could hit a pothole 
And rather than it being the end of the world, it was an opportunity to talk with Meredith. Yeah, which, you know, which is which is good. I mean, when when you have a uh, when you have a collaboration like that, um, it just makes it so much easier because writing, you know, writing could be lonely, man. Like you're you're just <laughs> you're just sitting there, you know, with these. You're you're basically just you know. Uh, playing pretend like yeah. as an adult like it's that's what it is and uh you know you have no idea whether or not this like it sucks or if it's good if it makes any sense and so to have like a sounding board of any type yeah. is always good right and then if it's if it's someone that you you know respect and you're collaborating with it makes it you know that much better there yeah um and you're right you you don't know and um, one of the things I went in with with Charlie Spot was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna write this for me. I am going to write the book I want to read. It was kind of, again duality. The book I wanted to read, and then also the book I wanted to see if I could write. Um, you know, so taking it as the writer and the consumer. So there are moments where I feel like they're very self indulgent. In the second issue. There is an absolutely ridiculous conversation between two characters that made me laugh when I thought about it. And I almost decided, no, that is way too ridiculous and self-indulgent. But then I kind of thought, you know what? If I have fun with it, I bet the the reader will enjoy reading it too. Um and so there are definitely some moments where it's like this this is for me. You know, this is and and I hope other people enjoy it as much as I do. Um but you know, this these these jokes are for one person. I hope other people like them as well. Yeah, when I uh when I get to that, I'm going to have to message you and uh <laughs> and let you know let you know what uh what I thought um what I thought about it. When um when you're when you're writing dialogue, because I know mm-hmm. you you've, you've made you know you said you've made it a conscious decision. Um, when I ask this question, I always try to word it the right way, um, mm-hmm. because you know everyone kind of tackles it differently, um, and everyone kind of um, does it their own their own u- unique way. And you know, I just love talking to writers about it because I learn you know new stuff and I I try it out. Um, what did your you know when you when you go to write dialogue, is it, all right, I need this character to say this to move the plot. I need mm. the character to say this to show character moments. Is it, all right, this is where I need to go with the scene. Like, how do you how do you attack it? Because I think dialogue, especially in comics, like you said, um, it, it, it's, it's, it serves a much different purpose than what it does yeah. in film, than what it does, uh, you know, on stage. Um, and so... You know, what, how do you approach it, um, you know, per scene, per panel, you know, I hope, hopefully that made sense. I felt like it made no sense, but in my head, I know exactly, like, in my head, it made a lot of sense, but as it was coming out, I'm like, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this sounds so horrible. I will, I will start answering, and if I'm going off in the wrong direction, feel free to rein me back in. No worries. Um, so... There, it it always, not always, um, 
I try and think about what what does the audience need to know right now. And sometimes that's I need them to know Charlie's feeling this way. I need them to know Andre's background is this. Um, I need, you know, whether it's informational, emotional, or character. What? And that usually comes out of what's the point of the scene? Um, and where's everybody at? And where do we need to get them to? Um, so that's, that's it. It's like, yeah, where, where do we, where are we ending? So, you know, again, knowing where the scene is, what the purpose of the scene is and where it's going. I want to know that because then that can help. Uh, that helps drive the scene. Hopefully it keeps the meandering down. Like if you know your characters and you know what they want, um, and what they need, that was a great, um, bit of, of, I don't know, craftsmanship. I, you know, I, I learned recently ish, you know, it was like what a character wants and what they need are two different things. So, you know, keep that in mind as you're putting scenes together. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I go with, with dialogue, you know, at, at least on the top level. After that, what I try to do, and if, and if I have the guts to give myself a compliment about anything, because I am a writer and an artist, which means it's very hard to give myself compliments. I understand completely. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to derail you, but I have like a, a really weird, like yeah, sidebar. Yeah. Um, I, cause I think this is really important cause, and I don't want to derail you. Um, but I find it really, really difficult to talk about my work. Like hundred percent. Like when people like talk to me about like man of sin or whatever, the, my go-to def like, like default is to talk about the art because it's not about me. And like, I have such yeah. a, such a hard time talking about it because it, I feel one weird. Cause I'm not that guy. Like it feels right. very conceited and very like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that person. And then like, it just feels like, I don't know. Vulnerable is not the word. I feel like so removed from it. Like it's not me anymore. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it, it feels weird. So I just like default to the art. Like, uh, the art's great. Yeah, like one of, one of my hobbies is trying to understand the fucked up mind, or my fucked up creative mind, and then kind of realizing, oh, this is universal. You know, it's like not a George issue. It's it's universal. Um, and yeah, I don't know what that is. If it's um, because I I I'm a hundred percent with you. I don't know if it's imposter syndrome picking its head up and and you know playing around. I don't know if it's we spend so much time thinking about it and and re- like micro analyzing it that maybe all we see are the faults and we forget like for people who aren't us they just take the thing at face value you know um they they don't spend as much time thinking about it as we do um, you know, which, which means they just kind of get, you know, they get to just enjoy it, like I said, on that face level or, or that base level of what it is. Um, and, and, and it is, it's, 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 it's tough to accept and to take, um, you know, is honestly, you know, as, you know, 
I'm a, I'm, I am a full grown man. Um, but there is so much stuff I'm trying to detangle in my head and you know, the ability to take a compliment is something I have, you know, worked on for years and I'm getting better at it. But yeah, it's, you know, the stupid lizard brain. I got to get, I got to get one of those t-shirts, man. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, that's, you know, if, you know, this is the fifth Kickstarter I've run and yeah, so far it's been the easiest one to promote and talk about, you know, because again, it's so easy to, to, to lean on, Meredith Alley and Taylor. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, you see, and see how I deflected it and brought it right back. I love it, man. To yeah. the, to the, to, uh, to Meredith Alley and Taylor. Um, yeah. no, I, I think that, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like, yeah. um, a lot of it is, I, I think just, you know, as, as the writer and creator, like, we're also like we got to put like so many different hats on especially in the Mm. indie world Mm -hmm. and so it's like all right i'm the marketer so like my book's awesome and then someone's like your book's awesome it's like oh shit do i which hat do i have on like (laughs) is this the like hold on you caught me with my pants down like i don't have the right hat on let me go get that hat so i can take this compliment i mean who knows maybe it's because we all know enough people who just have that who come across as braggadocious, who come across as self-centered, as stealing all the spotlight or wanting all the spotlight or feeling like they deserve all the spotlight. That, I mean, I know, you know, I've seen enough of them where I look at them and I'm like, all right, I never want to be like that. Um, and so when you find yourself in that position where you could cut, you know, you could go down that road of like, well, I am great. Thank you so much. That, you know, that, that kind of kicks in and you immediately kind of want to deflect. It is so weird, man, right? Because, because of what we do. And what we do is we create and then put out into the world. So there, you know, it's very easily, we could just make this stuff, leave it on our laptop and be done with it. But there's, you know, part of us is like, no, no, no. I want to do this, but then I need to share it knowing full well that the sharing part of it is like something that we're the most uncomfortable with. Um, But it's something that, you know, is, is part of the process and and part of the reason that we, we do it. It, I'm telling you, man, our lizard brain is ridiculous. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I love that we're, we we kind of got into this kind of the marketing kind of territory. So you've done five Kickstarters now, right? Yeah, this is yeah, this is my fifth uh, comic Kickstarter. So, like, how has it how has it been kind of transitioning from just the writer and the creator and having to you know put on your marketing hat, your promoter hat, your publisher hat, your you know distributor hat, mm-hmm. all those things that you know. You might not necessarily <laughs> want to do, but have to do in the indie, oh, um, I w- indie realm. It's funny you ask that because I was talking with a friend of mine who is an actress here in Boston. We are working on a project together. And, you know, we've been trying during all of this pandemic to just get together on Zoom once a week and just kind of check in with each other. It's like half check in, half, you know, talk about the script we're working on. And we were just talking about it today, how... She was talking about as an actress. She's like, I want to act. And now I know all about web coding. 
and I know about analytics and, you know, all of this stuff she needs, you know, she needs to do for her marketing side. And I'm sitting there going like, and now, you know, I just wanted to write comics. And now I know about bleeds and safety zones and, you know, 300 DPI, 600 DPI, RGB, you know, all this stuff that comes along with, with, you know, I, I can, you know, on a rudimentary level, I can teach people how to put Facebook ads together, you know, um, all this knowledge that I now have because like, I just want to write funny books. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. And the thing that actually kind of makes me laugh at myself the most is my day job is advertising copywriter and my worst client is me. I, you know, anybody could bring, you know, whether it's a comic or, you know, I, I worked on GMC and Bank of America and Dunkin' Donuts and, you know, all of these, all of these, you know, big names and I can write about them. You know, I can turn their stories into ads, um, put my own book in front of me and say, all right, now write the ad for this. It's like, I've never written an ad, like my 13 years in advertising, like never happened. It's it's ridiculous that somehow I can market everybody but myself. It's I mean, that is that is something that I I find so interesting that you said because I am so uh, I'm an English teacher um, mm-hmm. and if I get a paper or you know I have someone else's story I could go through it. And, and, you know, either edit it or, like, figure out, you know, yeah. I, I've edited stories before. Like, I, I've worked on other people's comics and I could find, you know, like, oh, you need to do this, that, or the other thing, right? You need to do this here. Um, when it comes to my own stuff, I am atrocious. Like, <laughs> like, like, it is, I am the worst with my own stuff. And it's it's just so funny that you have that, like, it, it's... It's like you know, not me. It's not a me thing. I always thought it was me. No. Now that you said that, you're like, hey, I, I'm my worst client. I'm like, shit. I'm my own worst <laughs> client too. It's you know, it's if there's one plus to like you know, going to all the conventions, you know that I have and I can't wait to go to again is you sit in enough panels, and you you know, you you read enough articles that when like you know this is my always go to like. When Neil Gaiman and Stephen King are like, you know, I suffer from imposter syndrome. It's like, all right, if these two people suffer from imposter syndrome, at least I know it's not me. You know, it's clearly some, you know, I always go back to the lizard brain. It's some lizard brain that we're all dealing with. And, and you know, once I kind of put that together, that was actually a, a nice lift you know the shoulders sank a little bit that day you know just just being able to you know as tangibly as you can when you start feeling that realizing it's not a fault with you it's it's our dna it's our makeup it's how we survived saber-toothed tigers um you know but now our lizard brain doesn't have to save us from danger from saber tooth tiger danger but somehow like publishing a book triggers the same part of your brain as fear and so your brain you know it's like no don't do that 
tigers are over there. It's like, it's not tigers. It's just a fucking Kickstarter. Like, you know, <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not going to die. You know, um, thanks. You know, thanks lizard brain for getting us here. But at this point you can kind of like, you know, you can tone it down a little bit. Um, but yeah, so much of this stuff. And that's why, that's why I dive into it is, and why I'm so curious about just the mental part of creativity is, you know, cause I, I do suffer from all of that cliched artist bullshit, the, the imposter syndrome, uh, the jealousy, um, you know, the, the envy, all of that. Um, and I, I know how unproductive that is, you know, that is such wasted time and energy and emotion. And so I kind of want to know more about it because I figured that if the more I know about it, the better I can handle it or, you know, maybe diffuse when it pops up. So it's kind of like a pseudo hobby of mine. Yeah. Have you, have you ever read, uh, the war of art? No, I haven't. Tell me. Oh man. Uh, so it's by Steven Pressfield that, that needs to be go like top shelf immediately. Amazon buy buy now one click buy. Um, (laughs) My family will let, will be happy to know I'm adding more stuff to my you know Christmas list. Yeah, uh, so it's by Stephen Pressfield. It's a um, he's got like three or four um, books in a row, but that's his first one, and that's probably his most uh, most famous. And basically, um, what he does is that he puts a name to what you're um, mm. what you're describing, and it's all about um, you know going from this feeling of you know wanting to do something or this. You know, mm-hmm. thinking that we want to do something and then never actually pulling the trigger or never actually, you know, following through or when you start following through why the wheels fall off. Mm. And um, he basically he, he calls it resistance. And yep. what resistance basically is, is, you know, what you're saying, like the lizard brain. But what he's saying is, you know, we we're tribal people and you mm. get comfortable in the world that you're yep. in. Right. So like I'm comfortable, you know, you're comfortable wherever you're in, wherever your your lot is in the world. But you have aspirations to move out of this. Right. Mm -hmm. To leave this your tribe and be something else and different. And your brain is hardwired. The lizard brain is hardwired to say absolutely not. (laughs) Right. If you leave the tribe. You know, saber tooth tiger. It's easy. Yeah. It's easier to get eaten. Yep. And so what what he calls, you know, and um. And he, he basically just, just lays out, you know, um, how, you know, the different types of, um, you know, resistance you're going to find and, mm. um, and why it pops up. Cause like it, I, I might be butchering his biography, but he, he wrote legend of bagger vans. Oh, okay. Uh, um, he's the guy who wrote that. Um, but he didn't write it till he was like in his fifties and like two failed mm. marriages and like he just talks about everything leading up to that was him fighting himself to write, and mm. uh, and it's like he had to like ruin his life and everyone's life that he knew <laughs> to get to this thing. And then what's interesting is that like he was talking about like he he sold everything and he went. Um, it, it's it's such a good book, but anyway, he he talks about finishing his first book that no one ever saw, and it was just like a dumpster fire. But he finished it. And, <laughs> And he, he finally finished it, and he, he he says he got up from the typewriter or wherever he was writing, and he starts doing the dishes, and he was whistling. 
and he'd never wrestled before, and it was the best feeling he ever <laughs> felt. And he was like, oh, like, I, I finally got over this hurdle, like this, I, I finally awesome. finished something. And it's a lot of, like, what I do in my day, like, I use it, I use that book, like, I, I read it about once a year, um, and then he mm-hmm. has, like, a couple more that I, I'll, you know, plug in here or there, depending on where I'm at. Um, but that book, I read, and I kind of use myself as a compass. Like, if I start, like, and it's funny how the universe works, too. Like, if I start, like, wanting to, like, uh, you know, procrastinate on something, right? Like, if I want to, mm-hmm. like, start... Um, binge watching a tv show when i i know i could be writing i'm like oh that's this is my compass like if i start feeling bad like i use it as like an internal compass for like where creatively i need to go um and it's not always perfect and a lot of times i fail but (laughs) at least i'm aware like i could get the train back on the tracks a lot faster than what i used to be able to do yeah we're i mean first of all you know and this is something you know i i tell my 11 year old son a lot which is like we're all works in progress who we are right now is not who we are destined to be for the rest of our lives um and so you know everything that you're talking about being able to put a name to it um being able to understand what's going on maybe it won't stop it from happening right like maybe it won't stop those that that procrastination maybe it won't stop the imposter syndrome but if you can clock it if you can name it now you can kind of own it a little more you realize it's like you know it's no it's not that i suck it's not that i you know i procrastinate or that i'm a loser or whatever it's that our brains are wired a certain way and these things trip those you know the, those things that got us here that got us out of the tundra and into you know our lovely finished basements um right G- gave us wi-fi yeah. right <laughs> gave us wi-fi but they're still there so if you can clock it you know if you can say oh it's not because i'm you know i'm not watching this tv show because you know, I'm a loser. I'm watching this TV show because my brain thinks I might get hurt if I, you know, if, if this whatever, you know, if this book doesn't do as well as it does, if, you know, this, this story, I, if this idea I have doesn't turn out to be as good as I think it is, my brain doesn't want me to get hurt. And so the way it is protecting me is it's saying, let's just watch one more show. Um, and you know, we, we thank you, lizard brain. I know you have the best intentions. Um, you know, but the, the life I want to lead, um, is, is going to have a little uncomfortableness to it. And, you know, you can rationalize and even if this book sucks, I will live, I will be fine. You know, we can go on another day and maybe I will have learned something so the next book is a little better. But, yeah, just being able to – I mean, I'm definitely interested in buying that book, Um, again, just because I want to be able to name this stuff. Um, Like, one of the things – like, one of my big um, mental potholes 
is the no one gives a shit. You know, why am I working on this? No one cares, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that, all that typical creator whiny bullshit. Uh, I, you know, I say that and I tell you, I live in it. So what I've been working on and continue to work on is finding tangible things, moments, experiences. So when my brain does go into this ridiculous, intangible, no one gives a shit monologue, I, I have these things. It's like, well, no, that's actually not true. Um, and, you know, specifically, let's, you know, just take it back to the Kickstarter since that's what I'm, you know, that's my world right now. This Kickstarter goes on and, you know, this, like I said, this is my fifth Kickstarter. This is my fourth Kickstarter in about two, two and a half years. So, you know, pretty tight together. And I'm seeing the same people who, you know, stumbled onto me two and a half years ago. They're coming back, backing my fourth, you know, they're, this is the third or fourth time they've backed a project of mine. They're not my friends. They're not my family. They found my stuff naturally. They dug it and they've kept coming back. That's not an accident. That's not pity. That's nothing. That is, that is what I want. That is somebody going, I dig what you do. Please tell me the next time you do something else. That shit's real. And, and, you know, I know you have that as well because you have multiple Kickstarters going on and I'm sure you've got the same, you know, that, that same kind of like group of people who you don't know them. Maybe at this point they're, they're, your friends are friendly with them. But at one point they were just a, a random name that popped up in your Kickstarter. And now you're like, Hey, this person's back. You know, that stuff is real. Um, you know, I've been doing the, 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 the Northeast convention thing for about two years at this point. And there are a handful of shows that were there every year. And so now we're getting to the point where people are coming up to my booth and and just going like hey how you been how you been so what's new and i'll point to the new thing and they'll be like great and they'll just hand me money i'm not pitching it i'm not doing anything other than going this is my new thing and they're they're in you know um that's that's real um and those are the things that i'm looking for and very much trying to clock and be in the moment of so I have kind of like these, these bullets ready to go for when the dumb part of my brain kicks in and starts telling the, the bullshit lies that don't get me anywhere closer to where I want to go. Um, so again, that's just one thing that I do in case, in case that helps anybody. I mean, that's the other thing I do is, is why I talk about this shit as much as I do is because I know I'm not the only one going through it. I know I'm not the only one that has these thoughts, that has these struggles, that's trying to get better. And, you know, who knows? Maybe I say the right thing at the right time on the right day, and they're in the headspace to hear it, and it helps them. Yeah, man, I, I I love every every single syllable of what you were saying, man. And it, like, it resonates with me because it's happened to me before. Like, I remember, um, you know... I I met before I made my first comic ever. I was waiting in line to get um this was I was at a convention. 
um, at uh, C2E2 years ago, and I was mm. getting uh, a, a copy of Fell signed by Ben Templesmith. Mm-hmm. And I, I just asked, I don't even remember the question, but I asked him something along the lines of, um, like, thinking about starting, like, I want to write comics or, or something like that. And I don't even remember what he said. I don't even remember the exact words. All I remember is that he encouraged me to do so and gave me the agency to, like, yeah. I couldn't trust myself, but whatever he said to me, he gave me, like, the agency to do it. And um, what's really cool, and one reason why, like, I'm doing this now and I, and you know, why I'm, I'm doing the podcast is I want to, you know, go back to me and, you know, whoever I was. And if they stumbled upon mm. this podcast and heard this, maybe it would help them out. And I, you know, talking about backers that you've never met before and like putting things in perspective, like I had a previous backer, um, message me out of the blue, um, and just said, Hey, you know, I met you at a comic convention um, you probably don't remember this, but um, I was talking to you about making comments and you, you know, gave me a few encouraging words. And I just want to let you know, I finally finished the book that I was telling you about and I wouldn't have done it without you. It's like one of those moments where like time stops and it's like, oh man, like <laughs> this is like the, this is why we do it. Like it's That's not. That's the fucking best. Yeah. It's, it's not. And it's not for, you know. As much as I want to, you know, um, I don't even know what I'm trying. Like it's it's (laughs) it's one of those things that it's just it's just really awesome to have, and like and like it's one of those experiences where I could be like, man, that's that's sweet. That's that's cool. Maybe this is where you're going with it. Is I think at at some point, you know, even even us adult creators um, have that dream of the thing hitting. And that thing, you know, means we can quit the day job and, you know, blah, 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 and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, that, that's, you know, that, that feels part of the dream. But so much of that is out of our control. But the ability to encourage somebody to try the thing, we're in control of that every opportunity that it comes around. That's actually something we can control and, and have influence on and put some positivity and encouragement out into the world, you know? And, and that's, that's why it means so much. Like it's, it's a moment where you're like, I, you know, you made a difference, you know, that, that person was, was looking for the same agency or, or encouragement that Temple Smith gave you and I think for you know we all creators whether they can admit it or not there is an army of people who have propped them up you know whether it's you know direct family members like you know I'm thinking of my wife Tracy you know my one of my biggest supporters in the whole world Um, or you know the random conversations we've had with other people that you know that have given us feedback who have who have encouraged us and all that um the best way we can thank the people that gave us their time um and encouragement is to pass that on to somebody else you know um it's how you know in a very kind of like hippy dippy way that's how you can make the world a slightly better place 
Yeah, man, I I absolutely love it, and I I, I think you you know not only did you hit on something that's you know really you know what what and why I'm doing it, but I think it's such an important message that you know everyone um, listening or anyone who yeah. stumbles upon it definitely needs to hear. Um, I don't know. Yeah, once you. Once you realize this isn't a zero-sum game, that somebody else's success has nothing to do with you, it becomes, one, that's a wonderful maturing leveling up moment. You know, like, I remember being 17 in my, in my bands, and I could not be happy for somebody else's success because I felt like it was taking away from mine. So, it... it I'm very happy, you know, to get through that other side of the maturity and realize that, you know, somebody else's success has nothing to do with me and I can be happy for my friends or I can be happy for random people who, you know, get, get it, whether that's a couple more rings, rungs up the ladder, whether it's grabbing their brass ring, like, you know, you, you can celebrate other people's successes. Like, that. that's a nice, that's a much healthier place to be. Yeah, I that was something right out of, so, you know, I, I wrestled in high school and college, mm. and um, it's, not only is it an individual sport, it's, it's, it's basically you versus the world. Like, even your yeah. teammates, like, they're trying to come and get your spot, right? Like, you have to beat <laughs> your teammate to start, right? Like, or if you're not starting, you have to beat your team. Like it's literally, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, when I when I transitioned from uh, you know being an athlete to start you know being a creator and stuff, it in my early twenties, it was really really hard for me to get over that. Mm. Like it was me versus the world, and I was su- like I'm super competitive just by nature, and <laughs> it. It was like all consuming. Like I, I didn't get anything done, and actually, really, what changed my perspective was um, I was I was student teaching, and uh, I there was um, there was a special ed kid who wanted to be on the um, the the cross country team, but he needed a one on one aid, and mm-hmm. uh, he was legitimately probably one of the fastest kids. I've ever been around <laughs> and they needed someone to run with him on these cross country meets um, uh, because he didn't know the routes. So I just needed oh, to like yeah. run next to him and like, cause he loved running. Um, like I, I got to describe this kid. The first day I met him, <laughs> it was like straight out of a movie. He has, I'm not even kidding you, matching Puma jumpsuit, red Puma jumpsuit uh, tops, um, pants and shoes, the Ferrari Puma, and the first <laughs> words he said to me was, "I like to go fast." <laughs> I'm like, okay, so, um, so I'm I, I joined the cross country team, and the cross country team, uh, I've never been a part of. You know, I, I've wrestled my you know my entire life, and the, it was such a different dynamic. It was all about personal mm. record. It was all about everyone doing their best, and um. Up until that point, it was all me, 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 me. Like, I helped the team by being the best me I could be. And, like, in a selfish way. Um, and it was just really eye-opening to see the the difference in that. And that helped me go from, like, this, you know, 
super competitive guy where I only want to see myself succeed to like, it's okay that other people succeed and, uh, you know, all these other things. And it's, it was definitely something that wasn't like, I had to have like a hard sit down and look at myself Mm. in the mirror moments in my early twenties. We all do. (laughs) (laughs) But it's awesome that, that you kind of went through that and, you know, landed where you did um for me similar ish you know was around 30 you know the the game plan since i was 16 or 17 was you know the rock and roll mansion um and you know at i god i vividly remember this moment you know being 33 and you know whatever the latest band you know broke up and having that realization of like oh that rock and roll mansion isn't coming so now what you know, I've got this basement full of guitars and all this stuff. What's the point? Um, and it was I it was not a fun time to be me or be around me as I was essentially going through a mourning period of, you know, like this 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 dream um that I realized, oh, it's it's not gonna happen. Yeah, but I, what go on, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, no, you go no, go. It's all I was story. gonna say is is at when I got through the end of it, it was the realization of like, you know what? I just like it. I like, you know, so this was, this was music. Um, but you know what? I like, I like playing the guitar. I like writing songs. I'm still curious about the instrument. I'm still curious about writing music and writing better music. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not something I don't want to be. I did. I don't. I don't want. I don't know how to say this. I don't not want to have guitars around me, and you know, hitting that point where curiosity is going to lead me, and collaboration is going to lead me. Um, that was that was a good maturing turning point. Um, and, you know, as, as my little creative journey is taking me, you know, into comics being, you know, one, if not, you know, the, one of my two main creative outlets, I am such making comics has made me a better collaborator in everything I do, whether it's as a musician or, you know, in the day job as, you know, advertising copywriter embracing collaboration and and like truly what collaboration means um like i said it's just made me a a better bandmate has made me a better creative partner um and it's and it's getting out of getting out of your own i don't know selfish way and kind of realizing the ultimate goal is to make the thing as good as possible whether it's a song whether it's a comic whether it's an ad and if that's the goal, to make the thing as good as possible, and with these creative outlets, you know, to make the process as fun as possible, that's such a different mindset than, you know, whatever it's going to be. You know, this book has to sell a million dollars. The band has to get signed, that type of thing. It's, it's a, it's, like I said, it's, it's, it's a good, I'm glad, I'm glad that's my headspace now. Yeah, you know, I, and, and that, yeah, go I for to, it. yeah, I totally agree. Like now, you know, 
you know, I'm in my 30s now. Um, I'm like genuinely happy when my peers succeed, and like yeah. I'm I'm genuinely happy when like I'm excited when someone has a, a a new book, and I'm excited too when you know um, people have have success, and I I think that just comes with a level of maturity and being able to recognize what it is that you know mm-hmm. my damn lizard brain is doing. <laughs> And also, you know, when you get in it long enough, you realize how fucking hard it is. And so to have somebody, you know, when somebody has some success, you know, they have their first book published. They have their first comic published, you know, with with a sexy publisher. You know, all those little wins. You, You know how hard it is to get to that point. And, you know, you can celebrate somebody overcoming that, you know, degree of difficulty. Yeah, I, I uh, totally agree, man. Like, I I think it's, um, and also, it, you know, you're all kind of in the, the, you know, the rising tip, or ships, you know, whatever yeah. that phrase is. Yeah. Rising tides raise ships. Um, yep. And it's a much better place, um, you know, than some other place where you're you're envious or, or jealous or, or yeah. mad at yourself i feel like a you know a lot of it's like a, a you thing like you, you you're like oh 100%. what you know what the heck is this why is it mine uh, yeah but hey, um, it, it's you know I, I love that you you said that it's you know it's natural because i think a lot of almost everyone deals with it in some capacity or another yeah. it, it's just recognizing it and putting the train back back on the tracks yeah, and that's it. You know, you do like I said. I've you know, I'm, I have an eleven year old. The kid's about you know as as clean a brain and consciousness as you can get, and just kind of watching him have some of the same mental landmines that you know I've stepped on or I'm still working on, um, and watching him have the exact same things. And you know, he lives in a house. Of, you know, of parents who understand all that. Tra- you know, Tracy, um, she's a singer-performer as well. So she knows all of this, the, the, the mental gack that goes into it. And, you know, we're... And, man, I am so conscious of it. Like, you know, I, my son comes around. It's like, all right, I have spent so much of my adult life trying to untangle this gack in my head. All I want to do is... is raise him in a way that he doesn't have to deal with this gack. And then to my surprise, he's got the gack. He, you know, he lives in a house that, that is like actively trying to, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, disconnect the wires for that stuff. And he, you know, deals with some of the same mental stuff that I do. And again, it's just been interesting and eye opening to go, Oh, so much of this. It's not about me. It's not how I was raised or anything like that. It's just the freaking DNA and what it does, you know, um, that, you know, and so like when, when you realize what is and isn't in your control, you can be kinder to yourself and you can start addressing the real problem, which, you know, it isn't you, you know, in quotes, it's how our brains are wired and so like a book that you would that you brought up what was the name of that book again oh um the war of art by war of art yeah by stephen pressfield 
you know, that's, that's a book that like, you know, if anybody's feeling any of this, you know, like I said, literally I'm adding it to my Amazon list, um, you know, check it out and buy it. Because again, you never know, you never know when your head is it going to be in the right space to hear it. Like you could hear the same thing from you know, five different people saying the exact same thing, but maybe you just needed that sixth person on a random Thursday night where your head's, you know, in the right place to actually hear it and absorb it. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, really important too that, you know, you're, or we're always, you know, I don't know what, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I'm always looking now, you know, I have a daughter and I'm always looking at, you know, how can I be the best example mm-hmm. for her? And that's one of the things is just like constantly, um, you know, putting things in perspective and evaluating myself. And, you know, one of the big reasons why I'm, you know, doing what I'm doing um, whenever I, you know, whenever I'm, you know, feeling down or bad or whatever it might be is I want to be able to, you know, look her in the eyes when she's older and tell her she could do anything she puts her mind to and then point to this body of work and say, here's the proof. Like, I don't want them, I don't want it to be empty words. And the only way I could get to that body of work is, you know, not letting the damn lizard brain win. (laughs) Yeah, and there's, I think there's also something powerful in just having the stuff around. Like, your daughter's going to grow up watching you make the thing and because that's all she knows she's not going to know that there's some people who don't do that she's it's going to seem natural to her um when i was so when when i can't remember either my son was about to be born or had just been born uh one of the guys i worked with um he was a yeah he was a berkeley musician turned creative director and he had a very talented singer songwriter son and i asked him I was like how you know how did you get your son interested in music without like forcing it on him because that was the other thing it's like you know if he's not interested in mu- if he's not interested in anything like i don't want to force it on him like i think we've all seen the cliched you know dad who's trying to relive his high school football years through his you know 11 year old son as a, as a wrestling uh, coach i see that all <laughs> Right. Um, you know, I, I coached one year of Little League, and that was enough for me. Um, but, you know, we have all seen that, and I'm like, ooh, I don't want to be that. But, you know, so I, so I asked him, like, how, how did you get your son interested in music? And he said, you just have the stuff around. Man, that's you know, such a good, s- such a good s- point. So, you know, in, in, our, in our basement, there's a drum kit. There are, I think it's 13 guitars. Um, and he knows if, you know, my friends are coming over and we're recording, we're working on anything. Um, if he's quiet, he can hang out with us as much as he wants. Um, what was I do? Oh, um, the last Kickstarter I did was an audio read through of one of my graphic novels. And there was just one day he was just down here. He's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm, I'm editing, you know, I'm doing, I'm editing the dialogue and He's like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, you pull up, pull up a chair and I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to talk you through it all. Um, you know, cause you just, you just throw the stuff out there. You make it as normal and obtainable as possible and then see where their brains, you know, attach themselves to. 
Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, that's such a good point, especially for, you know, for parents out there. And, you know, it, it puts a lot of things yep. in perspective. Um, man, we've been we've been uh, chanting for like an hour and a half here, man. That's awesome. Uh, I told you, I told you, this was going to be no. I, I uh, love it. I could, an, I could, easy, an easy interview. I could sit here and, and chat with you all night, uh, yeah. but I think my wife might murder me. Um, yeah. so, so as I was saying, the next thing I think about with dialogue is oh yeah, I nice. <laughs> I'm so glad you remembered. <laughs> I I would have totally uh. I I totally took the train off the rails there no and you know i saw where you were going and i was like oh this is this is my bread and butter no i love it man it was again because so much of creativity is is psychological so much of of the the hills we have to overcome is isn't real like i mean it is real but there you know it's mental it's it's stuff that we put in front of ourselves that we can remove. It might take some work. It might take reading, you know, the war of art and, and other books, but you can, you can unclog yourself. You can become your best advocate. Um, you know, it, it can, it, it can be done. Um, it might be something that you never overcome again. Like if Stephen King and Neil Gaiman, after all these years, I still like, yeah, I got, you know, I still have imposter syndrome. It's, you know, it just might be the DNA, but, you know, you can, you can find ways to fight it so you can be the creative person you want to be, you know, on whatever scale that is. I, I love it, man. It's, it's great words to kind of end us, uh, on this episode. So, um, Talk just a little bit about the the Kickstarter, um, kind of the rewards and all that good stuff, and then oh, where, sure. where people could find you and uh, anything like that. Thank you. Um, so, Charlie Spot, our first issue is up on Kickstarter right now and goes through midnight on Monday the 30th, November 30th. Um, we've got three different covers, uh, one by Meredith Laxton, one by Jackie Morrow, those kind of our standard A and B covers. Uh, and then Ali Pepitone, uh, the, our colorist, uh, is a wonderful artist on her own. And I wanted to show her off, you know, show all of her skill set off. So we have a Kickstarter exclusive cover that Ali did. Uh, and we're, we're printing as many of those as we need for the Kickstarter project. And then that's it. Um, we... If you if you check out the preview pages, you will see that one of our main kind of like menagerie characters is a person in a bear suit, uh, which cracks me up the whole time. So we put a couple pieces of merch together for a person in bear suit. We've got a pin and a mask because it's 2020 and we all need to add masks to our, our uh, collection. Um, we also set up uh, some reward tiers where you can kind of directly support Meredith and myself um, because conventions were just wiped out this year. Um, you know, you can buy some of my graphic novels. You can buy uh, some of Meredith's stuff that you would find at her convention table. And those rewards, like I said, are set up to like directly support us as well as help the campaign. Um, and then uh, something that I'm, I'm excited about 
is uh, the first eight pages of the book Meredith did traditionally, you know, on 11 by 17. Uh, and so we have those pages available as well. Uh, five of them, or three of them are gone. So we've got five original art pages for Meredith that are available as well. Um, and, you know, as I, I keep hitting it, if you feel like, especially now, you need a book that's kind of got some humor, heart, and humanity to it, uh, a book that can make you laugh on one page and, and you know, make you feel something on the next, uh, I hope you'll check out Charlie's Spot. Um, Meredith, Allie, and Taylor uh, did such an absolutely wonderful job and took a story that I loved um, and through their passion and their talents turned it into something I, I didn't think I could love anymore and then they did their thing um, it's a wonderful book uh, and I, I really love for people to check it out um, so that's, that's Charlie's Spot as far as myself um, on Twitter is kind of where I live online it's at Lazy Horde so L-A-Z-Y-H-O-R-D-E uh, and I'll be posting a panel uh, from the first issue from now until the 30th. And then uh, kind of like my comic imprint is called Homeless Comics. And you can find us uh, on online, homelesscomics.com, and you can download free previews of my graphic novels there. Uh, and then we're also on Facebook at, you know, Facebook backslash Homeless Comics. George, thank you so much for uh, coming on today. It was an awesome conversation. I could sit here and, and talk to you all night. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's been wonderful to get to know you through, uh, through our masterminds and, and you know, through, through the community. It's been very cool to go from a guy whose you know, work I have supported to a guy I genuinely enjoy hanging out with and listening to and learning from. So thank you, man. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, man, thank you so much. Uh, before we get out of here, make sure you check out Charlie's Spot on Kickstarter. It's an absolutely awesome, awesome uh, Kickstarter, awesome story. Make sure you go check it out.